Sorry, no Easter egg hunting, no Easter bunny, and no Easter kinder egg chocolates. So I wonder you have heard the recall of those chocolates. Um, but anyway, before I start, uh, let me uh, read something about the message from Bloyd uh, Brobel. wonder if uh, they can pause it in the, uh, the screen. This is somehow the, uh, when I uh, was reading this uh, magazine, I, us I usually have it uh, every week. Uh, you know, maybe you uh, know this uh, voice of the martyrs. Uh, this is a ministry uh, reaching all those, uh, our brethren in those uh, persecuted uh, countries around the world. And this is uh, how um, Floyd A. Brobel, actually is the CEO for uh, the Voice of the Martyrs Canada. And it is, uh, it says here in the message, and when I see this, it's like uh, it's very encouraging for me. And it perhaps summarizes the, the Good Friday and the Easter. So it says here in his message, Easter is a time of both sorrow and great joy. On Good Friday, we remember the death of our Lord on the cross and the excruciating punishment he wore for us. When pondering over the fact that his tortured body was placed in a sealed tomb, and feeling the weight of such misery and gloom, we may be tempted to wonder if he really was the hope of the world. True enough, maybe later, even the disciples, when we read this, they have this uh, question, truly, the Lord Jesus Christ, the hope of the world? But then, there comes Sunday, her hope, is restored. For up from the grave he gloriously arose. And with his rising, we recall the rest of Jesus' words in John 16, verse 33. Take heart, I have overcome the world. John 16, 33. If you remember, this is the last verse of the scriptures that we read last Sunday, as per Brother Jesse's message. A lot of encouraging and timely promises from the scriptures, from that message. But this morning, the goal is to remind and to challenge us as a church and as individual disciples of Christ in regards with the resurrection. Hence, the impact of resurrection. Truly, without crucifixion, there will be no resurrection. But without the resurrection, the death of Christ at the cross will be useless, futile, in vain. Our preaching is in vain. Our faith is in vain. And we can see even the Apostle Paul echoed it 
in the book of the Philippians, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. In the resurrection are all the central realities of Christianity. The truth of the resurrection for 2,000 years has been the foundation of true Christianity. To destroy Christianity, you destroy the resurrection. Or putting in this same token, destroying Christianity requires that you destroy resurrection. Simply put, resurrection is the foundation and central to our Christian faith. So this morning, back to the resurrection message. Wonder what were the disciples doing, doing after the resurrection and burial of Jesus. That is, between Friday and Sunday, of course, that's Sabbath. I remember somehow a brother, uh, Jesse, uh, was explaining. In fact, he asked me about this, and I was so intrigued. So, Brother Alvin, what do you think? Between Friday and Sunday, what really happened? So, the four Gospels, namely the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, have uh, similar accounts before and after the resurrection. So, maybe we can start from um, Luke chapter 24. In fact, this is uh, where uh, after the crucifixion, then Joseph of Arimathea, as you know, is a disciple of Jesus, and he's from the town of Arimathea. He was the one who requested um, Pilate to... Uh, to have the body taken down. And in fact, uh, I remember it was told that here in the scriptures, Joseph Aramitia has this uh, garden. And we have the opportunity last December 2016, my wife and I spent our uh, 2016, uh, how many years of marriage? Now, 1985, you do the math. <laughs> But 2016, we decided to go to uh, Israel. And of course, while you're there, you don't miss going from one place, especially historical places. And one of these is uh, the, uh, uh, the garden of, uh, uh, owned by, historically, said by Joseph Aramitia. But in fact, uh, there is a traditional place, and this evangelical, we call it evangelical uh, on us, the place. So in the traditional place, mostly the Catholic goes to this, uh, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is inside the uh, old city of Jerusalem, wherein it is really, they call it the wall, because there are different uh, gates there. But on the other hand, outside that place is that garden. Uh, it was mentioned here of Joseph Arimathea. Anyway, 
That's why I encourage you to, if you have the opportunity, to visit uh, Israel and see yourself. Mm. So it was said here in um, Luke 24, 50 to 56, verses 50, 56. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The woman who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath day, they rested according to the commandment. So they just rested. They just rested. So these disciples and the woman just rested. No anticipation, no expectation, no thought of the resurrection. It seems resurrection does not matter to them at all. So we can see here um, in Luke 24 verse 1 in the scripture reading that we have. In verse 1, these are my observations only. I'm just learning from our pastor to learn the observations, interpretation, and then we'll go to the application. But these are the observations only to justify really that it seems that they really forget the resurrection. It seems it doesn't matter to them. In verse 1 of Luke 24, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. Mind you, they're expecting that the body of Christ is still there, right? Because that's why they to bring the spices. And in also in Mark 16, it also says there in Mark 16, 1 and 2. You can read that in Mark 16, 1 and 2. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. Again, same scenarios. Different accounts, but similar accounts of this no contradiction. So, and then, secondly, the 11 and the rest of them, they're like uh, wait and see disciples who just stayed back. They just stayed back in Luke 24, 8 to 11. You can see again, these are the observations that they didn't remember. In Luke 24, 8 to 11, we can read. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things. To the 11, and to all the rest. So, now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and the other woman with them, who told these things to the apostles. So they told everything, but these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. 
You see here, the scenario is, um, I just asked why woman? The old woman. It seems the women are more obedient. Go and, you know, in the other account, when you read the, um, uh, when they say, do not be afraid, because now it, I'm uh, getting forward here. Uh, when um, Jesus Christ, who, Jesus Christ appeared first to Mary Magdalene. And the angel also first told Mary, do not be afraid. And then Jesus himself says, do not be afraid. Go and tell. It seems the women are more obedient than men. And then, you see, they have told them already, but the rest of the disciples, they just, you know, it's a wait and see. We'll see. And then, not only that, again here, lastly, Peter. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Yeah, maybe he just went there, stooped, okay, but he's marveling, but really didn't uh, believe. Because, again, in the account of John, chapter 23 to 10, we will see, here in Luke, it was mentioned only Peter, but it doesn't read, contradict in the, in the Gospel of John, because now there are two. Let me read it. And you can see in John 20, 3 to 10. Now it's not only Peter, but John. So when you see here again, in John 20, so Peter went out with the other disciple. The other disciple is John, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. It seems, uh, I think, who is pastor to run. And one, I, I heard some commentary say, jokingly, that uh, John was, okay, you'll be, you be the first to be killed. That's why I'll, I'll run to. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. So, so then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet, you see this is the key verse. Verse 9. So I think I'm right. Oh yeah. For verse 9, for as yet they did not understand the scripture. Mark that word. Because later on, you will see that again in our uh, scripture reading. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their home. Again, they just marveled. They just 
not really aware of the resurrection. So on the other hand, so this is how I see it. So it seems that these disciples really didn't, they forgot or they doesn't care, no resurrection. But on the other hand, the religious leaders took Jesus' resurrection claims more seriously than the disciples did. Because in Matthew 27, 62 to 66, we'll see in Matthew 6, it seems that the religious leaders took Jesus' resurrection claims more seriously than the disciples did. In Matthew 27, 62 to 66, it says, the next day, that is after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, remember how that impostor said, referring to Jesus Christ, while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. And the last prod will be worse than the first. So here we can see that the disciples didn't remember Jesus' teaching about his resurrection. But the religious leaders remembered and took steps they thought would prevent it, or at least a fabrication of it. Because of his claims, they were almost as afraid of Jesus after his death as when he was alive. They tried to take every precaution that his body would remain in the tomb. Because the tomb was hewn out of rock in the side of a hill, there was only one entrance. The tomb was shielded by stringing a cord across the stone that was rolled over the entrance. The cord was sealed at its end with clay. But the religious leaders took a further precaution, asking that guards be placed at the tomb's entrance. You see, it was already sealed, and on the other hand, additional prevention, guards outside the tomb. The chief priests and the Pharisees failed to understand that no rock, seal, guard, or army could prevent the Son of God from rising again. But true enough, all the preventative measures failed. But these religious leaders did not stop. Plan A failed, come plan B. So in plan B, there is plan B. Matthew 28, 11 to 15. Again, observations. Here we can see while they were going, behold, 
Some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. 14. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews today. Number one observation. How would you know that if you were asleep? You see, they were telling these guards, have you observed? They really plant plan A failed, but the plan B, but still they cannot stop it. They say the guards reported while we were asleep, the disciples took them. Imagine, I don't know, if you are sleeping and then there's oh, the thief, close your eyes. So, you, you see the observation? Because they will say, why you were asleep? So why were asleep? So how would they know that it was taken, the disciples took, and you were sleeping? So these leaders will perpetrate this deception and lie to the highest level. With this plot, the soldiers again were bribed and took the money knowing that they will be spared from trouble. And this story has been spread among the Jews this day. So the denial of the resurrection happened on the very day of the resurrection. And it has been constant ever since. That's why for us, resurrection really matters. Because a lot of stories had been fabricated and this is one. I will read you. I will read one of the uh, stories. Long time. It says here, a few years ago, when some supposed archaeologists and scholars and journalists said they had discovered the family tomb of Jesus, and in it they found his bones. They suggested that this discovery should not be disturbing to Christians. The fact that Jesus' bones were still in the grave shouldn't take anything away from this, their experience since it really was the idea that his spirit rose that gave life to the religion of Christianity. See how these uh, stories was fabricated long time. Obviously, that is bad history and bad theology. 
And it turned out to be bad archaeology and bad journalism because a few days after that was broadcast across the world, it was pulled from television when it was recognized that the entire thing was a fraud. So the whole thing was debunked, never to appear again. So now, we go now to the application. In Luke chapter 24, 36, 49. But before that, but for us, believers, disciples of Christ, we believe as the early disciples finally came to understand the scriptures. And here, we read in Luke 24, 36, It's a long reading, but we'll see how the resurrection started, how it mattered to the disciples before, and I hope it will challenge us also to believe. Luke 24, 36 to 49. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why, not, why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet that it is, I myself, touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see, that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the psalm must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. First, we can see here, Jesus rebukes them for their unbelief and hardness 
of heart. It was also mentioned in Mark 16, 14, specifically. It says here in Mark 16, 14, after he appeared to the eleven themselves, as they were reclining at table, he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. So this morning, hope there is uh, no hardness of heart. Are we still waiting to be rebuked? I remember it's uh, sometimes uh, I feel guilty of it when you share the gospel somebody. I remember I have a co-worker. Uh, I used to take him uh, to one of the bus uh, stop or uh, this TTC subway here somewhere in Stills, the Pioneer Village, I think. So in my car, I have, um, you know, the cross, like cross. Maybe some of you have that cross. And then I was driving, and it's, it's beside me. And, uh, and I was surprised. He saw the cross, and then he asked me, in fact, this friend of mine, he was born here, uh, an Indian, uh, uh, born and raised in uh, Indian family, so the religion is Hindu, but mind you, he told me uh, he was born here, but it's, it's not so much with the religion. And uh, he told me just recently his twin brother got married and uh, to an Anglican, I think, woman. So they were married in the Anglican church. So maybe when he attended, he saw inside the church a cross, and he saw my, the cross. And then, so why is that cross, where is that person? You know what I mean. <laughs> so where's that person? So because I saw most of the cross has that person. Oh, I told him, um, then I shared him. Now I'm a Christian, but we believe that our Lord Christ did not remain at the cross. Because we believe he died, he was buried, and on the third day he rose again. That's why we have a Christless cross. To explain him somehow. But still, and belief and hardness heart, oh, yeah, you, but for me, I was born here and I was raised, but I'm not particular with religion. So you see, nowadays, yeah, people still have that skepticism or uh, beliefs. Right? But secondly, The fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. That's why back to John 20, when the apostle, you see here, even the apostles, the disciples, especially Peter, 
In John 20, that's why I, 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 a while ago, I told you to take notes of that uh, instance when uh, Peter, or most of both of them, Peter and John the Beloved, especially in verse um, 8, I'll just read it. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. Verse 9, 4, as yet they did not understand the scriptures that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples just went back to their home, still marveling. That's why here in verse 44 to 47 of Luke, chapter 24, Jesus Christ himself explained the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. So we can read here. Then he said to them, these are my words. So this is the red letter. When we see the, in the Bible red letters, it means that Jesus Christ himself speaking. Then he said to them, these are my words that spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. In fact, when you read the book of Psalms, especially in book of Psalms chapter 16, 8 to 11, we don't have time to read that. But you'll see, it says that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then, verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. You see, when Peter, John, marveled about, they forgot the scriptures. Then Jesus Christ himself explained to them here. So he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. In fact, John MacArthur has a book entitled Gospel According to Christ. If I'm mistaken, it's probably it was when he wrote this, it was based on this text. Because Jesus himself has the gospel according to him. So the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures about Jesus' suffering and his glory, his death and resurrection. So we and Luke's, so we and Luke's gospel account with the fact that finally the disciples understand that the Messiah is going to suffer and rise again. And that this is all contained in the Old Testament. So because of the teaching of our Lord on that day of the resurrection. And in fact, if you read also Luke 24, 25 to 26, 
that afternoon also on the road to Emmaus with Cleopas and the other disciples, two of them, but will not that uh, that evening with so also that evening here with the rest of the apostles. They now understand Old Testament messianic prophecy in its fullness and in its richness. So Jesus Christ himself explained. And then, for me, this is the source of the gospel of Christ. And I was wondering, when he commanded, preach the gospel, is right after the resurrection. That why, that's why resurrection matters. And says in Mark 16, 15, we all know, that says, he commanded the disciples, preach the gospel. March 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And now the result, we can see the boldness of Peter to preach the gospels in Acts chapter 2, 22 to 24. And interestingly, the book of Luke, of course, written by Dr. Luke. And now, he himself, the book of Acts. He wrote about Peter. And now, you see the boldness of Peter to preach the gospel in Acts chapter 2, 22 to 24. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and for knowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. You see, Peter himself preached the gospel which Jesus Christ himself explained to them. And not only that, also the apostle Paul preached the gospel to the Jews. You may not... Uh, uh, <clears throat> see that, but in Acts 13, 26 to 30, you may read it in your own devotion. And with this, not only that, in the book of Acts, we can see the history tells the glories of the church because of the preaching of the gospel, especially with the impact of the resurrection in their lives. And with this, Peter continues to exhort us here in 1 Peter 1, 3 to 9. And if you remember, Brother Jesse mentioned this also in the Good Friday message, the biblical hope that we as disciples of Christ have have and should share this hope to other people who are still lost through the gospel. Here we can see in 1 Peter 3, 9, 3 to 9, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
This is the key. We have that living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not know, see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You see, not only that has the impact on the Apostle Peter's life, but also we'll see Apostle Paul's first letter to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, 1, 4. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. In verse 4, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So, Apostle Paul himself exhorted the believers in Corinth. And not only that, in verses 12 to 14 of the same chapter of Corinthians 15, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But there, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We here at Glencombe Baptist Church, and I remember our pastor always emphasized the preaching of the gospel. We are preaching the good news of salvation in Christ alone through faith by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Because if not for the resurrection, our preaching is in vain. Our faith is in vain. That's why resurrection matters. We are serving a living Savior, Jesus Christ, our blessed hope. Therefore, as we do the ministry that God has entrusted to us, let it be Christ-centered, gospel-centered, for our labor is not in vain. That's why any ministry here, be it in choir, men's, ladies, the second mile, the young people, 
the prayer fellowship, the Sunday school, be it being reminded, the resurrection matters. Because at the end, the Apostle Paul exhorted the believers as well as exhorting us through his, this word in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 8. Therefore, my beloved brothers, sisters, Christ, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Furthermore, the same book in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, not only that, in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 22. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. He cannot save anybody if he is not alive. Imagine we won't be here. But he did rise and he conquered death. And he was vindicated by God as having offered a sacrifice that was satisfactory to God to satisfy his justice and provide the required penalty for sin. This is not in the uh, text that I gave to Brother Jay, but I will, uh, anyway, in Hebrews 2.14, also he, he did not only conquer death, but in Hebrews 2.14, Jesus destroyed or other translation, render powerless the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. He says in Hebrews 2.14, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. This new, the New Testament teaches that when Christ died and rose again, Satan was decisively defeated. A time of limited freedom is granted to him, but his power against God's people is broken and his destruction is sure. Pero, ito, uh, in Tagalog, Marami sa atin noon, mas takot pa kay kamatayan. I remember when I was small, I don't know, because we, uh, we grew up in traditions, like pag uh, ni Santo, sabi nga ni Pastor, last time, no, no taking a bath, no. Yeah. But also here, uh, I was, uh, when I was child, uh, we were told that, uh, you know, you know the figure of this uh, death. I know in Halloween, Halloween you see the the one with the pork. The figure. Uh, you know that in Halloween there's a figure that 
And it represents the, uh, they call it, kamatay or the death, right? So, tatagalag, uh, because uh, I came from Tagalog region, so I speak Tagalog. But I will translate. Marami sa atin noon, mas takot pa kay kamatayan. Paniwala natin siya ang may hawak ng buhay natin. But in fact, when we read the scripture, at the resurrection, Jesus Christ conquered death and even this is kamataya. We, we think na hawak ang buhay, but it's the reverse. He's, so, and I have to confess, uh, this is my confession, that my wife doesn't know this, but I kept it. No. <laughs> no, I have to confess. No, sometimes, like, you know, the fear of death, right? But I, of course, I, I, like pastor is always telling that I envy those who attend the funeral, I envy those because they have gone and be with Christ already in the presence. But sometimes you have fear of death, not that. I remember Pastor uh, Abeliar. He was telling, I don't, I'm not afraid of death. I, I, he always says, of course, I'm, uh, I'm ready, but not in hurry. <laughs> yeah. So, but when I, uh, you know, maybe all of you have known already that I retired, right? So nearing retirement, I confess that I have, um, that oh, I might, before I retire, I might die. <laughs> yeah, maybe some of you, right? Or before I enjoy, it's a, uh, who knows, right? Then, but I always remember uh, the, the book of James, right? Life is just like, uh, you know, a miss, a bay for, come and go. No? That's why we have to say, if he wills, if God wills, what's it? If God wills, we will live and do this and do that, right? So sometimes I'm guilty when I, oh, retirement, oh, go there, travel there, there. But good, if God wills, we will live and do this and do that. Means do go there, do this, do that, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, but praise God that we have this and we are sure. Right? And with this, and with this, we could sing the song in our hearts. What's that? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. We don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And lastly, before we forget, lastly, uh, Thomas. And before we end, last, Thomas, the doubter. So again, in John 20, because again, in John 20, chapter 26, 29, in regards with uh, Thomas, the doubter, 
I like this uh, when uh, Jesus Christ confronted again Thomas. Again, it's like to see is to believe, right? To see is to believe, and so it it identifies us. In Thomas chapter John twenty. 26 to 29, it says there, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were, look, were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put on your hand and place in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Then Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I like Tagalog. That's why, sabi nga, mapapalad tayo na hindi man natin nakita ang pagkabuhay na muli ng ating Panginoong Jesus. Ngunit, lubos tayong nanampalataya sa Kanya. The Tagalog version of this. Uh, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And in Peter, in 1 Peter 1.8 again, it was again literate by Peter because so most probably Peter, for sure he was there and he heard this. And then, he says in First Peter, Peter having heard these words, repeats here in First Peter 1.8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not know, now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is expressible and filled with glory. And now, here, I end this uh, question by Job. There are many answers posed to this question of Job. If a man dies, shall he live? Science says he may live again. Philosophy says he hopes to live again. Ethics says he ought to live again. Atheism says he will never live again. But Jesus Christ says he shall live again. Because in John eleven twenty five 25, says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Maybe, that's why when I shared, actually I should have shared this before, when I'm somehow afraid of death. Right? When you see in the graveyard, always in the graveyard, the tombstone, right? What's called that? The tombstone. Uh, that lapida, that it says the born, the date of birth, born, this man born, and then this uh, died. What about maybe in our tombs, 
stone someday, we will put that I am the resurrection, the life, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. He shall, maybe in the tombstone you can say, he shall live this again. And then here, in conclusion, I wonder, uh, always when I prepare, somehow the acronym. I should, no. In fact, uh, it's easier for me to preach with the acronym than this. But I, I cannot when you see uh, Brother Jesse. Reason. But I hope this acronym will summarize, actually, this acronym will summarize what we have learned about and yeah, this acronym, uh, praise God. I, I, I actually I don't just uh, I don't know, but when I uh, make acronyms, I see to it. I support it with verses, right? This I think the difference we can do. But yeah, praise God that uh, when I uh, make I I support with the verses and so. Uh, reason. Wonder there's a movie. I think entitled this, the reason. So R reminds of us the resurrection of Jesus Christ, as mentioned in Luke, right? That we have remember. They say remember. How? So I inspires us to serve Jesus Christ, because in First Corinthians, therefore, my beloved, be you steadfast, immovable. Because our labor is not in vain, because the, that the resurrection makes it, our preaching is not in vain because Christ rose up from the dead again. And as he stirs up our sincere mind by way of reminder. In fact, that's in Second Peter 3.1, exhorted the believers there in Second Peter 3.1, it says there that... Uh, let me read that uh, in First Peter 3 1. It's in regard also in the day of the Lord coming. Lord's coming. In first, this is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm both of them, like referring to the first and second Peter, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. I hope. Our minds will be stirred up by way of reminder of the resurrection. And then he encouraged us to proclaim the gospel. And then end, it nurtures our faith to a living hope. And this, for the last, that is for us, but I address this to those who have not have that relationship with Christ. I will read this in closing. So I challenge those who are still wondering what is this all about. Warren Webster tells this story of a Muslim from Africa who became a Christian. Some of his friends asked him, why have you become a Christian? He answered, 
Well, it's like this. Suppose you are going down the road, like a crossroads, and suddenly the road fork into two directions. Imagine that, walking, and then you see the roads fork into the two directions. And you didn't know which way to go. And there at the fork in the road were two men. One dead and one alive. Which one would you ask which way to go? Let us pray. Yeah.